You're listening to Selfish. This is where we bring self-care and bravery together to encourage you to follow your dreams. Here's your host, your favorite selfish enthusiast, Ali Hembry Martin. Vitaly Buford shares utmost bravery when she tells how her addiction to perfection led her down a path of destruction. And her upcoming book warns others that it can do the same for them. Thank you so much for talking with me. I am just so excited that uh, we are able to have this conversation today. I am so excited too. Thank you for having me. So first, tell us about yourself. Yeah. So I am I'm a certified executive coach, speaker, and author of the upcoming book, Addicted to Perfect. And um, all of my life experiences and traumas and challenges and opportunities have led me to where I am today, which I know we'll talk about um, and have also influenced my coaching and my ability to help people lead more fulfilling lives and become the best version of themselves. So give us some more detail or background on this book that's coming out soon. Um, We spoke briefly about this, but I would love for you to share with the audience kind of what led you to going down the author path. Right. So um, my book is called Addicted to Perfect, and it is about overcoming my addiction to perfectionism. And Um, I am five years sober, which I'll talk about briefly as I discuss more about the book, but about four years ago, um, it was just my dream. I wanted to tell my story uh, about the things that I'd overcome and the things that I've been through because I feel like it could help people um, because a lot of times when we're going through really tough times, we can feel so alone. And I wanted to tell my story so that people would feel less alone, that they would feel seen and understood. And so my book is my memoir. It's my story about um, overcoming perfectionism, which involved a lot of um, body shame and body image issues and wanting to be thin and my struggle with that. And then that struggle with, um, you know, this body image and wanting to be so thin and thinking that that was my worth and how that led me into a 10 year addiction to Adderall which was, quote, the perfect drug for me and how that allowed me to be very thin and very high performing and how it worked um, well for me until it didn't and how I overcame that addiction and then what life has been like for me in sobriety and how I've become more self-aware and how I have found self-love and self-compassion and how I'm helping other people find that too. And I love that you're being so open and vulnerable with this topic because I know that can't be easy, but um, you're on a mission to really share how this is a true addiction and how there's many people that, you know, feel like maybe it's not an addiction because it's not the standard drug that people are addicted to. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and then also it's like this idea of perfectionism, right? I believe that perfectionism is the most pervasive thing um, holding women or everyone back from leading their most fulfilling lives because I believe that perfectionism is when we try to be anything other than ourselves, other than our true selves. And so we use things outside of ourselves to um, be validated and feel worthy and fulfill us when it really just creates a bigger void. So, you know, we'll have 
you know, we'll do diet after diet after diet and think that we need to have this perfect body to be loved. Or, you know, we will be in relationships that aren't healthy for us and we won't show our true selves because we're afraid we won't be loved. Um, or, you know, in careers, we, you know, won't perfectionism really holds us back because we'll procrastinate or we'll take on too much or it's people pleasing. It's really anything that we use outside of ourselves. And so for me, that turned into, um, I used, I coped with my perfectionism through this Adderall addiction. And no one talks about Adderall addiction because society loves and values perfection and productivity. And it tells us to produce and produce and produce and be perfect and be perfect and perfect. And so no one wants to talk about Adderall because no one wants to give it up. And, you know, it really um, stole my life away for a decade. Mm. So talk to us about that moment that you made the decision to become sober and put that life behind you. Yeah. So I started my addiction in college and, you know, I used Adderall. Typically a lot of, a lot of those Adderall addictions start in college because it's known as a study drug. You know, people, students are passing it back and forth in the library um, and selling it. And so my boyfriend um, had a prescription. My boyfriend at the time had a prescription and Um, I was taking a major, like, you know, 18 hour course load. And so he gave me a few to try and it was amazing. I was like, oh my God, I made straight A's. I mean, I was always a really good student, but it was a really, you know, I had two uh, two part-time jobs and was balancing, trying to balance a lot. And Adderall allowed me to do everything with ease. And then it also shut off the diet and body and food talk in my brain because I was, and so it shut off all of that diet chatter. And that was such a relief for me. And so, but the thing is, is that over the course of 10 years, my tolerance grew. So where I went from taking 20 milligrams a day, at the end of my 10-year addiction, I ended up taking 360 milligrams a day. And just to put this into, like, um, perspective, the, like, medical, like, the, the medically prescribed, like, maximum amount of Adderall per day is 50, five, zero milligrams. And I was taking 360 milligrams near the end of my addiction. And so it was consuming my mind. Like it, I was no longer being as productive because it required four prescriptions a month, which is illegal by the way. So I filled one under insurance and then the three other not on insurance. It was, so I was doing illegal stuff. I was doctor shopping. And so I was at this point where it was like, oh my God, like, like I started having nightmares that the police were going to find out about me and like were knocking on my door and um, two doctors ended up finding out about each other. And so they stopped prescribing me and they didn't turn me into the police. Thank God. And mind you, like I had a very high level corporate job, like mm. caller, working at a law firm as their marketing director. And so I was like, Oh my God, like I could go to jail for this. I need to stop. And then also I just, I ran out. Um, and I'd run out before, but this was like, you know, I've been doing it for 10 years and I was just tired. And I was also really scared because I'd been doing it for 10 years. It had been my life and my routine for 10 years. And so, um, what happened is, is I was talking to this, um, I'd hired this executive coach and to work with my attorneys. And so he saw me interact with my employees and this was in May of 2004 and I got sober June 7th of 2014. So early May, he 
sees me and he's like, he sees me interact with my employees and we're in the car together. And he's like, Vitaly, and we're close, but not that close. And he's like, Vitaly, um, or we're friends, but we're not that close. We're much closer now, obviously, because he's, he's helped me become sober. But he looked at me and he said, Vitaly, are you critical of your employees? Because he had seen me interact with them and I guess I was being critical of them. And his comment really offended me. A, I didn't ask for his advice. B, I had zero self-awareness at the time. And so personal criticism was something I didn't take lightly. And so I was like, he could tell I was upset. And he goes, no, 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 I think you're critical of your employees because you're critical of yourself. And it was like this aha moment. And then he said to me, I see in you what I refuse to see in me. And I didn't know what that quote meant. I didn't know what he was saying, but, you know, I just kind of let it sit with me. And then a week later, my mom came to visit me and my mom is an alcoholic and she was at my house and she um, had been drinking. She had relapsed and I got so, so angry at her and I was pointing my finger at her and just, you know, like, why do you have to drink when you come visit me? I'm so upset with you. Can you just change and you just get sober? And then it hit me that phrase that my friend had told me. I I see in you what I refuse to see in me. And at that moment, I realized, oh, my gosh, I'm asking, I'm telling my mother that she needs to get sober. But in fact, I need to get sober. Mm. Like, I'm pointing at her to change, but I need to be pointing the finger at myself. And it was just like this domino effect. You know, like, my friend tells me this. A week later, my mom, that happens. And I realized, oh, my God, I need to get sober. And then literally a few days later, I get down on my knees and I pray to God for the first time to change it. Like, I have never prayed to God about it. I prayed, but I never wanted to give up my Adderall. I normally would pray to God and be like, God, please just give me one more prescription. I promise it'll be my last. It was like a 911 prayer. Mm. This prayer was like, you know, I was like, I'm ready to change and I need you to show me the way. And so I finally admitted out loud that I had a problem and I drove myself to, to rehab. And I've been sober for um, a little over five years now. Congratulations. Thank you. So since becoming sober, five years, how has your life changed? And I know that's a very broad question because I'm sure there's been lots of things that have changed. But what's the thing that stands out to you? For me, the thing that I'm most proud of is that... I have learned to trust myself. And it sounds crazy, right? Like, well, of course we would trust our own self. But what happened was when I first got sober, um, I developed an eating disorder because I had removed the Adderall, but I had not removed this um, addiction to control and perfectionism um, with my body and my, my body size. And so for about two and a half years, Consumed, like this addiction to um, to be to my body image and perfection consumed my mind. So I was obsessed with exercise, and I had very restrictive eating. Like I basically ate broccoli and chicken for two and a half years, and that was my new addiction. So it was like addiction whack-a-mole. I removed the Adderall, but I replaced it with exercise and food. Mm. And finally realized I have an eating disorder, I got pissed. I was like, I just, I just for 10 years spent, you know, for 10 years wasted an, you know, an addiction to Adderall. And now I'm addicted, you know, I have an eating disorder. Like what is going on? I was like, no more, like I need to deal with this. And so I started seeking help and getting uncomfortable with 
you know, not exercising as much and all of that. And then a big turning point for me in my, um, in all of that was I became the guardian of my nephew. And so he came into my life three years ago and it was at the height of my eating disorder. And I realized, you know, I can't model that behavior for him. You know, I wanted him to have a different life than I had. I grew up in a dysfunctional household with, um, an alcoholic parent and two workaholic parents. So there was a lot of neglect, a lot of emotional and physical neglect. And I wanted that, I wanted a different life for him. I wanted to model healthy behavior. I wanted to model consistency and stability and safety for him. And so um, that was my goal. And he was the start of me healing a major part of my life. And he also helped me learn to love myself unconditionally. And so now I'm able to love him unconditionally. So having this child who is my mirror in this, in my life, Mm. he learned that. And then last year, the, you know, year four of my sobriety was, was really um, the toughest year that I've experienced. And it was because I started unlearning all of the people pleasing, um, external validation, Um, all of these things that I had brought with me through my childhood, like codependency, um, all of those things I was unlearning and it was really painful because that's how I'd lived my life was using other people to make me happy. You know, I'd spent my life like, you know, asking everyone for their advice and, you know, it was like, let me, let me pull 10 of my friends and I'll go with the majority, (laughs) you know, um. And so I had to unlearn that and be very like, and say like, I'm, I want to live life differently. And that, that led me to really step into my personal power and trust myself. So I know that's long winded, but, um, it's been a really uh, powerful five years. So when you're looking back at this journey, what do you feel like was the easiest part? What, what were you able to really like just put behind you and not look twice at the initial part of getting sober was probably the easiest part of easiest part of that because I got to be honest finally I felt like I wasn't hiding it anymore so it was liberating the most difficult part because the thing is is that my Adderall addiction was just a symptom of things going on much deeper with me you know like my deepest fear is abandonment and so I used all these things perfectionism um, you know, body image obsession, Adderall, alcohol, um, eating disorder to avoid abandonment because I didn't want to re and it was funny because I was not funny, but it was interesting because I was recreating the very thing that I wanted to avoid, which was abandonment. Mm. Um, because I was abandoned as a child and it was so painful And so I would stay in relationships that were toxic way past the expiration date because I was afraid of abandonment. You know, like I had an eating disorder because I was afraid of abandonment. I was addicted to Adderall because I was like, oh, my God, I have to be the perfect achiever and have the perfect body to be loved. And if I don't, I'll be abandoned. Hmm. For me, and I believe everyone, their core issue is abandonment. For me, the way abandonment now shows up because I've worked through all those other issues and I'm in a healthy relationship right now with my soulmate and I'm doing, you know, living much healthier and I trust myself. But the way abandonment now shows up for me is I have a fear of success. And what that means mm. is, you know, it's it seemed counterintuitive to me. I'm like, how can I be f- afraid to succeed? It's kind of like 
that a fear of, you know, like I don't trust myself. Like, of course I trust myself. Of course I love myself. Actually, no, you don't. <laughs> and I have a fear. I don't have a fear of failure. I have a fear of success. Like I'm a risk taker and failure isn't a big deal for me. I'm, you know, it's like pick yourself up and keep going. But I have a failure of success because I'm afraid I'm going to be abandoned by the people I love. I'm afraid that once I achieve the level of success I want to achieve, which is I'm going to be an international speaker. I'm going to be a New York Times bestselling author. You know, like my book is turned into a movie. Like, I, like all of those things are going to happen. And I'm going to say that out loud, which is scary. But I have this level of success that I want to achieve. It's like that kind of seems lonely, right? Like, can I maintain the relationship with my soulmate? Can I still be the mom that I want to be to my nephew? Can I, you know, be the friend that I want to be to my friends? You know, am I going to outgrow people? And so when I was finally able to connect those dots, like it was really, you know, it's interesting. That's what I'm working through currently is this, oh my God, I'm afraid of success because of abandonment. Wow. I mean that, I feel like that's so deep that <laughs> I, you really, ha you've really had to work on that because that's not something you just, you, it's not an aha moment that you discover that. Right. What was the most difficult part of becoming sober or finding your true self? I think for me, the most difficult part, but the most profound part is looking at the parts of ourselves that we don't like. You know, people call it shadow work, you know, looking at the parts of ourselves that aren't very pretty, like jealousy and comparison and um, judge, judgment and um, manipulation and victimhood and things that I didn't want to admit about myself, you know, mm -hmm. that I, um, like those things that was like, but when you identify those things, you can change them. And so we avoid all those dark parts of ourselves because we have so much shame, but we have to like take our shame jacket off to heal because, um, you know, I, there was this quote the other day that said, what numbs us, um, imprisons us. Mm. And I just found that so profound because I've spent so much of my life numbing myself with like an eating disorder, with Adderall, with work, alcohol, you name it, relationships, men, um, just to avoid, you know, this healing and this uncovering of pain and the dark parts of our soul. And when we can uncover those parts of ourselves without judgment, and say, okay, you know, those, I, I, I use those things for survival. Like I use manipulation, not maliciously, but I use it as a child for survival. And, you know, I don't need to use it anymore. Sure. You know, I was jealous because, you know, like scarcity was a big part of my childhood. You know, like I didn't live, I didn't have an abundant mindset. I lived in a way that was like, if that person succeeds, I won't succeed. Mm. You know, like jealousy or competitiveness in that regard was a survival mechanism for me. People pleasing was a survival mechanism for me because I needed, that's where I got praise and love. And so it's like looking at those parts of ourselves, that has been the scariest but the most profound thing because those are the things like removing the Adderall, removing the eating disorder, like that's that's just the surface. Right. It's just right below that that is the dark stuff. Looking at those parts of ourselves that we've been avoiding for so long. But when we can look at them with love, when we can look at them and honestly it took me like hiring coaches to do it. 
And, you know, when people hold up the mirror, like, for example, you know, the other day, this just happened to me. It's, um, you know, because as you grow, as you know, like, it's an evolution. Like, there's never, an, a de- you know, a final destination to right. growth. Right. The more you grow, the deeper shit gets. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, the other day, um, I was really feeling abandoned by my core friend group. And I was, like, talking to a, another friend. And I was like, you know, I just feel so abandoned. And then I just started getting upset because, you know, again, my core trigger is abandonment. And my friend was like, Vitaly, um, let me reframe this for you. Maybe you feel abandoned by them because you're the one abandoning them. Wow. It's like, darn it. You're right. And she goes, maybe you need to tell them the words that you wish they would tell you. Mm. And so I did. And our you know, and it repaired the friendship and it brought us back together. And, you know, I think that's sometimes an awareness and self <laughs> and growth. It's like, darn it, I have a high, higher level of consciousness and I have to choose to operate at that higher level of consciousness. I feel like so much of what you've shared has gone back to that phrase of you're seeing in them what you refuse to see in yourself. Right. And that is the biggest thing. Like when we, and it's, and it's an invitation. Like when we are triggered by someone, instead of getting pissed, instead of shaming ourselves, like, like if we get jealous of someone, you know, like a lot of times we're like, or if we're not happy for someone because they got a promotion, right? We start beating ourselves up. Like, why can't I be a better friend? I should be able to support them and we'll be so hard on ourselves. And instead of doing that, We need to be curious observers of our reactions. I use that with a lot of my clients. I'm like, just be a curious observer. Like, huh, that's interesting that I reacted that way. What does that mean? And, you know, for example, like it's like if we get jealous of something, you know, maybe it means that, you know, we're we're settling in our lives and we need to, you know, like we're upset because that person took control of their lives and got a promotion. Mm. And we wish that we were doing that ourselves. Mm. And so we're jealous because we're not fighting for ourselves. So for someone that's struggling with substance abuse, what advice would you give them other than, you know, it's okay to get help, but like really what, what advice do you wish someone had given to you before you made the decision? I guess I wish that someone had told me how much better life could be Mm. without the substance. Um, how much more uh, free life can be, how much more fulfilling, how much more joyful and laughter, you know, and just also the importance of like just being a whole person and validating yourself and being your own hero, you know, instead of looking for everyone outside of yourself that you, mm, you love that as you are. And it's hard because when you're in the middle of addiction, you don't want to hear it. Like the drug is your God and, or your, whatever it is, is your God. Like even when it was an eating disorder, working out and restricted eating was my God. And I wasn't ready to let it go. But I think when people can, you know, share the stories more of, you know, like I didn't know of anyone who was struggling with an eating disorder. Um, I didn't know of anyone who was struggling with Adderall addiction. And so I just felt really alone. And so I think even just people sharing stories and like me sharing this, um, is so important, um, because people feel so alone in their suffering. I think you're right. I mean, I think it's not only healing for yourself, but you don't know who else it could help. And I mean, even if it helps only one other person, that's right. still a valuable contribution that you're making. Yeah. Right. And knowing that a better life is possible. 
Mm. We think that, like with me, because, you know, Adderall, quote, gave me perfection. I thought, like, this is the best life can ever get. You know, like, this is as good as it gets. Like, what's life going to be like without it? Am I going to be enough? Am I going to be, you know, like, I'm going to gain weight and not be, you know, and hate myself. I'm not going to be as productive at work. You know, like, I'm not going to be as good of a person. And it's like, yes, you are. And you're going to be even better. I love what you said about be your own hero. I mean, so many people look to either other individuals, you know, other worldly items or, you know, addictions to be your hero. Right. It's like, I need a man to be my hero. Mm -hmm. I need a job to be my hero. I need this Louis Vuitton purse to be my hero. (laughs) I need my children to be my hero. Um, Well, that's it. Like what, you know, once I can achieve that Louis Vuitton, I know I've made it. Or once I get married, I know I've made it. Um, You know, it's kind of like they're thinking that those are, um, you know, road markers that they have to reach in order for that happiness to be there. But um, there's so much more to life. There is. And, uh, you know, I realized that, like, my eating disorder was really the realization of that because, you know, I naturally gained weight after I went out of Adderall because my metabolism had been controlled by a drug for 10 years. And, And so I was like, okay, if I can just get to 135 pounds, I'll be good. And then when I got to 135, it wasn't enough. And then I got to 128 and it wasn't enough. And then I got to one and it wasn't enough. And it was never enough. And the, it was because I was looking outside myself. It didn't matter. It doesn't matter if I weigh 160 pounds or if I weigh 150 pounds. It is never about the weight. Mm. Like, you need to be comfortable in your body and feel confident and sexy and all that. But it is never about the weight. It is about the deeper, dark, like, hurting that's going on. It's like, for me, it was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be abandoned if, you know, I don't look a certain way, Mm. you know, even like I weigh the most I weigh now. And I met my soulmate when I weighed the most I weigh. Sure. For me, I was like, how could someone love me at this weight? Like it was really a disconnect for me. I was like, because I was so used to being, you know, like being so thin in relationships, but it's actually been the most amazing relationship because I, in my personal journey, am in the best headspace I've ever been in. Um, but yeah, we all need to be our own hero. You know, we look for someone, you know, we're hoping that someone's going to rescue us, you know, that the perfect job's going to rescue us at this, we're going to get a blank check and it's going to rescue us, you know, like we're going to get all the money and it's going to save us from our financial stress and, or, you know, a man or a woman's going to save us or, you know, like, and it's actually right now you can save yourself. I think that's so much of what celebrities try to convey of, you know, everyone thinks we have the greatest perfect lives and, you know, there's a whole nother set of, um, you know, pain and struggles and frustrations that come with, you know, that baggage. So, you know, it's just the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Right. Right. Everything's relative. I mean, you look at them and it's like they're followed by people 24 seven, you know, like they don't get certain movie roles and they feel, you know, abandoned Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) it's everyone is going through the same thing in different ways okay so switching gears a little bit um thinking about selfish as a positive what are your favorite ways to be selfish yeah so for me i am um naturally an introvert and so i require alone time 
Mm. And that means that, you know, um, I get a babysitter, you know, once I get, I use babysitters a lot just because I'm a single parent, um, just for survival. But, you know, there, I have one night a week to myself, Mm. you know, I go to therapy. I am involved in adult children of alcoholics, which is a 12 step group for children of dysfunctional families, which is basically everyone in the United States. (laughs) So, you know, I, um, get up an hour earlier every morning or, well, I get up early every morning and I journal gratitude. And, and so it's interesting that you say selfish again, I'm going to go on and on. One of my limiting beliefs is that I am selfish and that's actually held me back. And so I've had to reframe the way I look at selfish and, you know, like I was like, and that's been one of the things too. My fear of success has been like, well, are people going to think I'm selfish Mm. Are people think that I'm only, um, that I think I'm too big for my britches that to say that I'm going to be a New York times bestseller, people are going to think I'm selfish to, you know, what big dreams makes me selfish. And it doesn't like you have to dream big. Because the dreams that you were given are not happenstance. The dreams that you were given are yours for a reason. And that also means you have the power to make it happen. I mean, I just finished my book in three and a half weeks and I did it like with my higher power. And I had the power to make it happen because it was my dream. We think that we have these dreams and to live them makes us selfish, but it doesn't. We are given gifts and we need to share them with the world. And the fact that you're willing to share them says that you have self-confidence and there's nothing wrong with that there's that's not something to be ashamed of um you know the fact that you can put that out there means that you believe enough in yourself that you think that they can come true and if you aren't willing to put that out there and say you believe enough in yourself then why would anybody else there's this thing it's like you know um dream big believe bigger Mm. And I have a journal, it's called Quantum Possibilities, and I journal in it every morning, and it's all these, all my dreams. Like, and they are big, crazy dreams, and I write them down, and I get excited about it, and they're going to come, they're, you know, like, most of them are going to happen. I know it, and I don't know when they'll happen, but they'll happen. And we just need to not be afraid to dream big. We're so afraid of what people will think. Again, external validation, judgment. You know, we're afraid that people, you know, people are going to shoot down our dreams and people may, and those aren't our people. Um, and we're afraid that, well, if I say it and it doesn't happen, that's going to make me look bad again. Like you have to say it out loud. You have to write it down. You have to believe in yourself and do crazy things. I have to look back and think, you know, you really did think you were living the best life, you know, when you were taking Adderall or, and, you know, thinking to what you were achieving then, like you said, you know, you know, what can, how can life get any better? This is perfection. And to think of all that you've achieved now, it's so much, and, and the goals that you even have of what you will achieve in the future, it's so much more fulfilling. Right. And, I'm so grateful for everything that I've been through. I wouldn't change a single thing because now I can help other people. Mm. And in fact, I can help other people overcome it in a much more, in a much like shorter time frame than it took me. Yeah. <laughs> like learn from my, people. learn from my journey. Right. And so I can, you know, that's one of the most beautiful things is that I've gone through really hard things 
and I'm really grateful for every everything, even no matter how painful it was, because now I can teach other people and I'm on a mission, you know, like I'm mission driven to help people get out of their pain and into their purpose and, you know, let go of the people pleasing and the external validation and let go of the perfectionism mm. um, and, you know, step into their true self and dream big. Like we can do anything we want with our lives, any single thing. We just have to start believing it, journaling it, and taking aligned action. Isn't that pretty cool? It's amazing. I mean, truly, last year, one of the things I do with my girlfriends is every year, every January, we write a letter to ourselves of the things we want to accomplish that year. And then we fold it up, and we don't open it until December. And last year, in 2018, in January, I wrote, I'm going to get a book deal. And I did. Mm. And it's because I wrote it down. There were several other things in my list that I wrote down too. Oh, I said, I'm going to find my soulmate. And I did. Um, And so it's, you know, like we have to just declare it, let it go. And, you know, like take aligned action toward it. Um, And anything is possible. We just have to say, you know, this is my intention. And like, I'm worth this and I'm deserving of this and I'm ready for this. Is there anything you wish you could be doing more? (laughs) Um, I think for me right now I am like early I'm in the early stages of my business and I think for me it's just being patient and reminding myself that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be and that everything is unfolding just as it should Mm. I love that What's next for Vitaly? So for me, it is finalizing my book, um, finalizing the editing and promoting it, and just really building. um, I have a lot of perfectionism, like group coaching programs that I host for women, and um, really just speaking more and being able to touch more people's lives and looking at the ways that I can do that and um, impact more people and help more people, um, make changes in their lives. I have loved our conversation today and I am just really proud of you. Um, you're being really brave and you know, the, all the interviews that I've done on this show, being brave is, is really the key to achieving your goals and fear is what holds you back and you're not letting fear hold you back and you're being brave. So thank you for that. And thank you for sharing your story and for talking with us today. Thank you. Like what you just heard, visit us at selfishthepodcast.com. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes today.